Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
It rages on in spite of medical laws. It rages on in spite of all the little tricks that we are told are going to keep that from happening. I just spent some time with a friend of mine who is a uh, cannabis grower, of all things. And um, he's from Northern California, a place where they've been growing a lot of cannabis for a lot of years. <coughs> he was giving me kind of the heads up about what's what's happened this year uh, as opposed to years in the past. And he said that uh, not a lot of people really got hit as much as in years past during the actual growing season. And now that it's... it's uh, harvest time and people are finished harvesting or in the middle of harvesting, um, now is when they're putting the heat on. And historically, this time of year, um, you'll find all kinds of checkpoints and roadblocks and extra cops patrolling because there's a lot of weight rolling around. Um, And sure enough, this year, in places where there's been very little law enforcement activity, they're hitting them after it's harvested. And, of course, people are stupid, and they drive around in big old U-Haul trucks, and they don't take precautions, and they do things because they either don't know better or believe that this law is going to protect them or believe that somehow, you know, it's just not a big deal anymore. Um, Most of the people we don't ever hear from, most of the people you know, get a lawyer and end up taking a plea deal. Most of the people don't have any idea that this could happen when it does and and are devastated to the point where they'll just do whatever it takes when they, you know, face their charges or get bailed out. Um, But occasionally, occasionally somebody decides or realizes that, hey, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong here. I didn't do anything that is deserving of being called a criminal. I don't have a criminal history. I've never harmed anybody in a criminal way, and yet I'm being charged with crimes. I'm being charged with felonies for doing something that didn't hurt anybody. And every once in a while, somebody decides to stand up and say, hold on now, this isn't okay. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. There's something wrong about it. And they're either smart enough to figure out the thing that is wrong with their case, and in many cases law enforcement are a bunch of Abbott and Costello characters and they don't really take the time to do a good job, Um, they could even be more successful if they took a little extra time. Um, But they hurry up and get warrants and they hurry up and don't have their probable cause laid out and they hurry up and do things they're not supposed to do. And if we're smart enough, a lot of times we can catch them in that. And if we're not only smart enough, but we end up in front of a judge that decides they want to recognize these things, we can be successful. Hopefully today, I believe we're going to have a success story that falls along those lines. Um, So I just want everybody to realize that as we're getting started with the show today, that you may be under the impression that uh, your state is legal, or you may be under the impression that Signing this petition is going to end things, Um, but I'm here to tell you that in California, Colorado, Washington, places where we passed recreational, we passed 
medical a long time ago. Um, the raids keep going. People are busted right and left. They have a hard time storing all the stuff that they catch sometimes. Um, it hasn't changed for real purposes. And the way to tell, and this is really important, if you want to be honest about this and you really want to say, did it really do it? Did it make a difference? Ask yourself this one question. Is there a black market? Because if there's a black market, prohibition's still on. Because that's the only where, only place or black market can exist is in a place where there is prohibition. All right, so we're going to jump into the show. We got a lot going on this week, and uh, we got Janice Davis on the line. I know she's got uh, phone issues, and so. Um, just want to let you know that I have spent a lot of time with a lot of people over the last 10 years as I've been on the activist front lines, and um, very seldom have I met a person, or in this case a couple, Janice and Devin, uh, who are so committed and um, selfless and uh, inspiring and just get out there and get it done, and I got was fortunate enough to spend some time with them a couple of weeks back, and I've seldom been as impressed as I have. So uh, without further ado, we have Janice from our friendly Manitoba chapter with a little update. Janice, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, you too. So tell me what's going um, on I in Manitoba. Um, not a lot, I guess. Um, well, actually, we have some good news um, with Mike Mailman. He had court last week, so he'll be on a little bit later to tell us about that. And just um, some past court supporters that or, uh, that we had been supporting, um, just an update with them with regards to Glenn Price. I've heard that he recently um, uh, made a deal and he no longer has upcoming court. And also John Tran, who we've been supporting as well, um, kind of lost contact with his cohorts, and I think he's still in jail, and I think some of his cases involving some fraud, and um, I guess he lost quite a bit of community support because of, you know, these kinds of things that um, had been showing up. And other than that, I have two other patients that have just recently contacted me going through some court, uh, upcoming court battles, and hopefully we'll be helping them gaining support as um, their their cases come up. Um, other than that, um, we're planning a chapter meeting probably in November, so I will be posting that sometime in the next few weeks and hope that anybody interested in being part of the Friendly Manitoba chapter will come down and join our group and listen to what we have um, on our plate. That's fantastic, and I, I would like to offer to you guys, as I've offered before, um, when chapters are, are you know, getting together and meeting. Um, I'm glad to join in on a Skype call or, a, um, you know, a regular call um, just to be there if there's questions that need to be answered or, um, you know, to listen in on the meeting and, and offer a little bit of two cents if, if that's something that you guys are, are into. Um, I was really impressed with the group of people that we got together for that little um, event we did a few weeks back, and I – I really was, uh, it, it seemed like we were able to incite some real conversation instead of just, you know, people coming up to party it out and, and be done 
you know, when it when it was when the when the work came down, normally people get uh, sidetracked and go wandering off, but we really had an attentive audience, and it really seemed that um, the people that were in this group meeting uh, really got what prohibition was all about, and that it's so important that we stand together as a community, um, either as a single organization or a coalition of groups, um, or the combination. So just I'm really uh, excited to see the, the the growth and the continuing uh, momentum that seems to be building out there. Yeah, that's for sure. I really did see a lot of people move that night, and people were definitely engaged, and that was really nice to see. And I'm really hoping that some of them will come out to this meeting and want to just even kind of listen in and see how, how they can get involved or if they can help or just be part of it. And that would be great to Skype you in. Um, I'll have to figure out how to do that. And also, too, it would be great to to have that for people who can't attend because maybe the facility that we have it may not be wheelchair accessible. So um, a way to maybe have them involved from home, if that's possible, would be something I'd be interested in doing as well. Well, do you have a date for the meeting already? No, I hadn't picked anything yet. I was going to talk it over with uh, a few other members, and then we were going to decide something for probably mid-November or early November. Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll get our team on it, too, and see what the best way. It might be a Google um, Hangout, or it might be... It might be a Skype, but there's definitely going to be um, a best way to get a group together to do uh, a, a, an online, you know, face-to-face -face conference call along in a, in the midst of a live meeting. And I think yeah, that, that you know, great. I think it's important for people to realize as we're getting this message out and clearer and across a broader audience that people need to realize that. One of the good things about being in 2017 is that there's technology to communicate uh, that's really advanced, and we can communicate anywhere in the world now, and we don't have to be, you know, in a face-to-face -face meeting, although I prefer it um, when that's not the best option. At least being able to see the people that you're with, uh, it, it makes a difference rather than just, uh, you know, an empty uh, – a, a voice on a, on a, on a, in an empty place. So um, I very much look forward to that. And just so you know, I have connected through Facebook with a number of the people that I, I met up there. So I've got a, a bunch of new Canadian friends in my little world. Awesome. Good to hear. Excellent. All right, Janice. Well, it's a pleasure to, to get the update from you. And Mike's going to be calling in a little bit later. Is he with you now? I'm, I'm, he's not with me right now, but, yeah, I'll be listening in for him as well and look forward to hearing how his day in court went. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, folks. Again, Janice Davis from our friendly Manitoba chapter. Um, we have Robert Platshorn going to be joining us a little bit later, and we have um, a lot of people going to be calling in to make um, – little updates and share their stories. This has been a very organic show from its inception, and um, I'm actually without my notes today. I spent a couple of hours collectively putting notes together that I wanted to talk about. And, of course, I don't have them, but I'm going to do the best I can with my four remaining brain cells 
And there's a sh there's a um, story that came to me, and it was really troubling. And as Craig Cecil uh, gets on the line, um, you know, he always talks about if I was only treated as a violent criminal, I would have been out by now. And this is a story out of um, oh, where the hell is it? Out of Michigan. And uh, there's a guy by the name of Christopher uh, Marisolo. And a few years back, he got himself a couple of teenage girls, uh, tricked them into coming with him, took their cell phones away, uh, drove them to a place, tied them up, kept them, kept them uh, kidnapped for a couple of days, um, at least raped one of them. I don't know if he raped them both, but ultimately was uh, found guilty of this. And uh, just this week, a judge by the name of uh, Gregory Ross, Judge Gregory S. Ross um, from Michigan, Sanilac County Circuit Judge, he granted... custody of this kid, joint legal custody, and the mother is now something like 21, I think he, he ended up doing some years, but he's out, and not only is he free to walk around, but now he's free to see the child that was born out of a violent and horrific act, and the mother of this child was a child herself. She was 12 years old at the time. And um, now she's like 21 or 22. And it just really shocks me, troubles me, um, causes a rift in my soul a little bit, because how can we allow these kind of things to happen at the same time that Craig Cecil and so many others are languishing in prison with a life sentence for pot without a victim of any kind, you know, uh, a rape of a child is probably one of the most heinous things that you could even imagine. Um, I, I could imagine in a situation like that, the person would maybe wish they were dead. I'm not saying that that's what happened or what should happen, but I could see that it could happen, and it probably does happen sometimes. And to have something that's that horrific be brushed under the rug in less than 10 years and not only restore this person or this individual, I don't want to really call him a person, this individual's rights as a citizen, but to grant some sort of parental rights, um... I just got to wonder, what's it going to take to get our asses up off the couch? You know? Yeah, I know, Trump probably did it. But that's not the point. The point is, these are real problems, real things that happen. And, you know, at the same time that this is happening, we got Craig C. We've got Cher Christie locked up right now, They're one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. And she's locked up in prison right now over pot. No victim ever ever, and I just, 
you know, keep watching the industry grow, and I keep watching legalization happen, and I keep watching, you know, laws get passed, and on some level, theoretically, we're making progress. But the truth is, we're still locking people up at an alarming rate, and it just hasn't stopped. And here's Craig Cecil to talk right now and see what he has to say about this. Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? And uh, I guess there's uh, there's worse problems to to have I I guess but but meanwhile you know I'm glad to see that um, this little slot carries enough weight to upset the Cubs um, for a moment <laughs> I, I I actually am uh, I'm kind of uh, overwhelmed with that but I, I'm 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 very grateful that you're here I was just talking about a case in Michigan where a judge had granted not only uh, the release of a prisoner who had raped a 12-year-old girl, and she had since born a child out of that rape. And the judge granted this guy uh, joint custody with the woman, with the girl that he raped, um, now as a mother of this child. And, you know, when I... When I heard that story on the radio, I thought of you and your call to action that we're going to be talking about more today. Um, they're not feeding you guys. I mean, and meanwhile, this judge is like, hey, whatever, let this guy go. And, oh, you know, let him have his kid, too, the kid that was born because of a violent act. And never mind what the mom or the victim of this violent act thinks or feels about it. Wow. It's hard to compare violent crimes to marijuana crimes. As you know, marijuana crimes carry a significantly higher sum. And it's just hard to fathom that that's really what the American people want. Especially with the rise in crime in the last few years, the rise in violent crime. Well, you know, it's funny. We keep locking people up. And there continues to be violent crime. And I can't help but think maybe it's because we're locking the wrong people up. Oh, yeah. As you know, uh, my hometown of Chicago, I think the murder rate's at 760-something for the year already. And uh, But they spend the resources to chase around people with marijuana dispensaries in, in Colorado and Washington and elsewhere. I don't know. I, I can't answer that. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's funny, too. Doesn't Colorado have one of the, I mean, not Colorado, but Chicago have one of the strictest gun laws of, of, of any city in America? Isn't, don't they just have horrible restrictions of guns? And this show's not about guns, but it's about freedom in general. And when I think about, you know, the idea of prohibiting something, of, of making something illegal, to force a change, and it just doesn't work. I agree, and uh, like 
with the firearms. Now, I, I think the issue is not that people have firearms so much, because firearms are like money. It's, they're, they're fungible. I mean, a, a guy could be a hero in rescuing somebody with a firearm, but that same firearm could be used by that rapist. Exactly. So the firearms are, are fungible. It's like a $100 bill. Somebody could use a $100 bill to buy heroin, or they could use that $100 bill to... To help feed the homeless. <laughs> exactly. Or a hammer or a brick. You know, you could build a house with it or you could clobber somebody over the head with it. It it's you know, these things are things and I wish people could get that. You you can't legislate an action through the vehicle of making a thing illegal. It just people don't fun we don't work that way. It just it's never worked that way. And it's not going to work. And it's just, uh, it's so frustrating to see so many people that fall into this. And, and you know, I'm open to discussion on, on these kind of things on the show, but that's not what the show's about. The show's about the core, about freedom, about common sense, about rights and wrongs, you know, straight up rights and wrongs. And, and what's wrong about locking somebody up without a victim, it's, what's wrong is, that not everybody sees how wrong it is. And the other thing is, is that not only are you guys being treated like criminals, but now with these actions that you're describing um, of, of cutting off food rations, um, I mean, that's, that's cruel and unusual by any stretch of it. And um, I didn't get the information until I think it was yesterday or the day before, but... Um, we're going to be bringing this to the executive call tomorrow morning, and we're going to have a press release out by tomorrow, and we're going to have a call to action. So I anticipate that as we've done in the past um, and been able to get a flood of calls and letters and um, emails and all the things that, that we can do, and we've actually seen action happen in the Bureau of Prisons when enough people called for it. Um, and there's even a there's even a, a button on the website that you can file a complaint electronically. And um, so we're going to make it real easy for people. Um, and my hope is that we get hundreds of, of responses as we have in the past. Like one thing that I can feel the effects of today is they've removed virtually all the vegetables from our diet. The only vegetable we still get to speak of is black beans. Apparently black beans are very cheap to buy. But uh, they've done away with, you know, things like broccoli, like cauliflower, like, you know, even green beans and, you know, um, you know, the common vegetables you would eat every day for fiber. They cut out our uh, brand cereal. Now, this lack of fiber, this lack of vegetables, I mean, it's getting a bunch of us stopped up. They're going to end up spending more in medical expenses for all the people's plumbing that's backed up. And, you know, just buying us potatoes and, you know, and carrots and, you know, the kind of roughage that a person should eat. Well, I mean, this is, this is beyond just, I think, cutbacks. It almost seems vindictive. I mean, clearly somebody understands the ramifications of removing vegetables from a person's diet. I mean, you know, this isn't the, the, the pioneer days where people 
get scurvy and rickets because they didn't have a good enough diet. I mean, we, we all know how these things happen now. And especially in your case where you've got diabetes to worry about, uh, your diet is even more important than so many people that, you know, don't have any other issues like that. Kids with a, an insulin-dependent diabetic like me, you know, has to have adequate food to stay ahead of the insulin and, you know, just even little snacks, you know, to, to you know, kind of regulate our blood sugar. But none of that is here anymore. Almost every day I have to search for food. We eat in the morning at, at uh, 6.30, and by 9 o'clock I'm looking for food, and, you know, and my sugar is below the... Um, below 70, which is the minimum that your blood sugar should be. And I'm, and all the diabetics are experiencing the same thing. And, and what about commissary? Have they uh, limited commissary to you? Well, they, they went through with the new warden about, about two months ago, and he cut about a quarter of the items off of the commissary. So a lot of the things that, you know, a lot of things that were actually good for you were removed from the commissary as well. So it's really kind of hard to find something good on the commissary. About the best thing I can find on the commissary is instant oatmeal or raisin bran cereal, just full of sugar. Well, and, uh, and I mean, they don't—they never really had vegetables on the commissary anyways. That was something that was just a staple anyways, right? That's true, that's true. And, and uh, I can tell you up till the last few months, we never had to worry about that. There was always... You know, like a buffet, you could take as much vegetables if you want. And, uh, there was always, you know, two or three vegetables served with most meals. Or, you know, a piece of fruit with breakfast. And they've taken that out. There's no more buffets. You just get the small servings that are on your tray. Which, like I say, this morning consisted of about three ounces of oatmeal. And two things they called pancakes, which were about the size of a silver dollar. They buy them already, already cooked and all that, and they just... Sometimes they'll warm them up a little bit, and they throw that with the oatmeal. That's it. That's our breakfast. Wow. Wow. I mean, that sounds as bad as the county food that I put up with when I was locked up. Uh, I mean, it's not supposed to be that way. And I just, you know, I'm supposed to be having uh, uh, Robert Platshorn is going to be joining the show today. And he, he did 30-plus 30, 30 years in federal prison, and um, George Martorano is supposed to be joining me today, too, and he also did over 30 years, and, you know, that was one of the things when they were locked up that, you know, we we would always have conversations about, you know, was the health and the the the, the lack of medical care and the lack of, um, of reasonable food being, you know, you got to wonder, uh, it, it's not like you got a bunch of, of, of violent animals that you're just trying to keep from killing each other in this place that you're at. I mean, it's, it's a lot of nonviolent people. Even, even, even if it's somebody who committed a real crime with a victim, like, not espionage, but, you know, like fraud or, or identity theft or some of the stuff that, you know, the feds will crack down on, it, these are still not violent crimes in the sense of the person that committed it might be a, evil son of a bitch, but he's not necessarily a violent person. So you would think that a reasonable, you know, system would say, okay, well, 
if you keep these people reasonably healthy, they're less likely to have problems and ultimately be cheaper and, and, and less effort to, to maintain charge of. The sad part is is uh, the American public, the, the American taxpayer is paying for it. They, like the medical department uh, here and throughout the Bureau of Prisons, here there's one medical doctor, I believe it's four physician assistants, and I think it's something like nine registered nurses that be in the medical department. As a rule, they only see like six or seven people a week. I mean, they just don't get up to work. <laughs> Could you imagine a doctor's office during the week that, you know, only sees five or seven people for a week? Well, you know, out here, it's the opposite. You're lucky to get five minutes of a doctor's time, and you go into a doctor's office, and it's packed. And it's just a, it's a cattle call. You know, they just go in one after another after another. A typical doctor is is overworked. So to, you think, I guess, these prison doctors must have, uh, you know, hit the lottery. You don't have to even work, and you just get go hang out and, and get paid for it. Well, the, the problem is, is when somebody does need to see the doctor, since they see so few people, it's not unusual to, to wait two or three months for a fairly, you know, an exam on a fairly serious situation. I've seen people with broken bones wait over a month to be seen. Well, <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, even even from a point of view where I'm I'm just being a businessman. It makes sense to get medical things treated right away because complications are always more, by their nature, complicated and expensive to fix. Not to mention the mortality rate goes up probably, you know, exponentially. Oh, yes. And, uh, I mean, now, granted, prisons are full of people that are former drug addicts and, you know, and people that haven't taken care of their health. But uh, it's unfortunately we watch so many people die. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's really kind of sad, you know. One gentleman uh, I go to church with recently died of a lung infection. And he fought with them for months and filed all kinds of paperwork and all that just to get looked at. And by the time they finally looked at him, they told him that, you know, he didn't have long to live. It was an infection that he caught here. Wow. Wow. And, you know, you've told us stories in the past. You had last year about this time your, uh, the dental crew was on strike. They weren't uh, they weren't even there at all. No, the dental office, like you say, they, they showed up for work, but they just closed for five months and refused to see anyone, not even one person. And, and now how can, you know, the taxpayer allow the Bureau of Prisons to get away with that? It's because nobody's, nobody's lending the door. Nobody's able to come in and look and say, you know, what are these people actually doing? Well, let me ask uh, you this. You've already had your first beep. There's your second beep. But what could somebody do and be the most effective if they were to be listening right now? Um, like I say, get a hold of the BOP.gov uh, website and leave a message there that they're aware of the problem here. Uh, with us not getting adequate food and adequate vegetables and, you know, adequate anything in, in terms of our diet. And, uh, or, you know, write letters or send things to their congressman. Ask their congressman to look in. Well, there he goes. Um, and for everybody who's been listening to this show for a while, uh, this is what happens every single week. 
Craig gets 15 minutes to call in, and, you know, we get a little bit of time to talk. I sometimes feel bad about even talking, but I like to bring him up to speed with what's going on in our world, um, in addition to giving him time. But he did send me an outline. He sent me a letter that um, laid out the conditions with this food crisis, and we're going to put a press release together and a call to action, and we're going to um, ask you folks to step it up and let's do something about it. You know, Craig calls into the show every week. He puts himself at risk in doing so. He uh, <coughs> he could get locked up in solitary confinement simply for being on this show, and he does it religiously. Uh, occasionally there's a... Um, you know, a riot or a fight or some reason the place is locked down and it uh, uh, he doesn't make it on. But most of the time, even in the past when we weren't doing live shows, he called in regularly. Uh, but now we are doing live shows. We're doing a live show every week, pretty much come hell or high water, unless it lands on, you know, Christmas or, or uh, Thanksgiving or something that is traditionally a uh, you know, a time that we're all going to be hanging out together and not listening to a cup of joe. I do want to bring a couple things up, uh, waiting for Robert to call in. Hopefully he'll call in in time. If not, we'll just have a great show as we're going along. It looks like Tom Corby uh, has some good news to share with us, so we're going to bring him up earlier rather than later today. Um, if you want to call the show, if you're listening on the live stream right now, I, all I can say is please share this. Let's get the audience to get bigger. The whole point of the Human Solution International is that we're a 501c3 nonprofit char <coughs> charitable organization. We are non-funded, and we're all volunteer. What that means is nobody gives us money except for the handful of donors, memberships, and for the most part that just pays for keeping the website going, um, printed materials, and not much else. Um, everything that we've accomplished has been accomplished because of amazing people that have chosen to volunteer their time. And we need more of you, frankly. Today I, was, uh, I had one out of three or four screeners that were able to uh, come on. And Mary, I'm grateful you were you were here today because we were down to our, you know, our last hope. Um, it would be great to have a few more people that were willing to hop on and screen calls when needed. I would love to have some people help put this show together and, and gather more guests. And we're kind of booked into November now, but um, it's a constant process, and people come and go. And um, I think it makes for a better show when we have more people participating. I mean, I can ramble on probably endlessly, but I'm only going to do that for about a half an hour without uh, uh, some accompaniment, and, you know, if we have to do a shorter show, we will. Uh, I don't see that happening as we've been going over time more often than not. So we're looking for help. We're looking for volunteers. We're looking for people right now to really get our message out that we're here, that if you get in trouble if you get busted for pot, that you can reach out to us, 
we're not going to give you a free lawyer. We're not going to hand you a bunch of money. But we do know what's going on. We've been there. We've been through it. We know what you're going through, and we can help. And this show is one of the ways we can help. I keep watching. God, I can't express my frustration enough when I see somebody that we've been helping out or not, and they post something on Facebook, and that's their that's their game. That's it. Post it on Facebook. Come and join us on our thing. And that's it. There are organizations and people that care that will help you, but you got to include them in it. And whether it's the human solution or somebody else, why the hell would you just have it be your own thing when you can get whatever you get? And for people who have been using Facebook, you watch. There's kind of a diminished return. You get excitement for a little while, and you'll get some people to come. But people get polarized, and people get... Uh, they get calloused, and the idiots on Facebook come out and cause strife and drama, and good folks leave, and the traumatic people stay, and, you know, there's just such a limit to what you can do just by posting something on Facebook. And it takes real people doing real things, and this is a real thing. It's on Facebook, sure, but it's also live on Blog Talk Radio. It's also... Um, being captured in other ways. So at the end of the day, it's something that can be shared and this message that everybody's bringing into this uh, can echo out further and further. So all I can say is this. If you're fighting a case and you want people to help, why don't you reach out to people <coughs> that are here to help? Why don't you try it? Acknowledge them. Give them a little bit of, hey, I'm working with these people. Those are things that work. I have, we have dozens, hundreds of members of this organization. But what typically happens is at the last second, just before somebody has to go to court, they find God and realize, oh, shit, I better ask for help. And then they come knocking on your door and they say, I have to go to court tomorrow, can you help me? And the answer is, well, we'll do what we can. And at the last second, we do what we can. But what if we treated this like it was important? What if we treated this like it was the most important thing in the world right now? Because whoever's facing losing their freedom, it should be. Even if it's not, it should be. And what if in treating this as it was the most important thing in the world, we decided to be effective. We decided to use all the tools at our disposal, including Facebook, but also including other mediums, other getting on radio shows, going and, and participating in other groups' meetings, and aligning yourself and acknowledging other groups. Those are things that can work. Those are things that can make a difference. And that's where the coalition comes into play. That's where um, membership and, and being part of a group comes into play. Um, you know, there's a lot of lone wolf activists out there, and I just watch over and over and over again campaigns that could be better. And I have seen what the human solution has been able to do. I have seen the, the support that we've been able to muster 
Not every time because, again, a lot of the times that we get brought into it are last minute, you know. Zero hour, three and two, bottom of the ninth. Oh, wait, let's call the human solution. And we do what we can. But those that actually get it and engage us from the beginning and become part of this, um, I have watched over and over again, success after success. I can't urge you enough to wake up and decide that, wow, maybe I should look into it. Maybe I should decide to be part of something uh, that has historically worked. Um, I hate talking about fundraising because I just don't like it. Um, but the truth is, like any other organization, we need to raise enough money to exist, and our, our membership is helpful. Um, but we've got some other fundraising ideas, and one of them is a new thing that we figured out called Amazon Smile. A lot of people are now ordering stuff online. Amazon is, you know, bigger and bigger. I think they just bought Whole Foods or one of those one of those uh, organic places. Um, people can order their groceries. They can order everything, and they're ordering stuff through Amazon right and left. There's a thing called Amazon Smile, and if rather than going to Amazon.com, you go to smile.amazon.com, you can log in through your regular Amazon account and access Smile, which is kind of a little, I don't know, it's a little charity arm of Amazon, and they say, well, you can select any charity in our list, and if you buy from this little site, we'll donate some little piece of what you're paying to this charity. Well, guess what? The Human Solution International now has an Amazon Smile page. And so you can go on to Amazon or smile.amazon.com and you can choose the Human Solution International as your charity. Go buy what you are normally going to buy and spend the same amount as you normally would have spent. And some little piece of that is going to get donated uh, four times a year to this organization. So one of the things that we decided and I want to do, as we're truly a 501c3 nonprofit, totally transparent organization, um, I'll volunteer. I think it's important that the membership has a vote when it comes to what are we doing with our things. When we do raise money, how do you want to spend it? And so I'm going to be putting forward uh, an opportunity for people to um, contribute their suggestions. This is your money to spend on our mission. So how do you want it spent? And we will, um, as we go through the Amazon Smile thing, the first cycle I think is in November, it'll probably be somewhat smaller. But if it is of any substance and we have something to spend, um, we're going to determine through kind of an open forum um, what do we want to spend it on and how do we want to use it to get our message out there and how do we want to um, grow our organization and get closer to our mission of ending cannabis prohibition. So that's coming up next. Finally, uh, before we get to some callers, um, we have a ribbon photo contest. And right now, I don't know if I can get to it fast enough. Um, but right now, we have four contestants. 
And in order to participate in this contest, all you have to do is take a picture, find a picture. You don't have to have taken the picture. You can go find a picture and submit it and say, I really think this picture is great. And as long as the photographer doesn't have a problem with it, uh, you can submit it and say, this is my entry, and here's why I think it should win. Now, we've been saying this now for, I don't know, five, six weeks we've been doing this contest. And um, I have yet to get a contestant that has submitted their entry that told us why it should win. Um, we've only had a handful of contestants. And, frankly, you can only win once until there's nobody else that's a contestant that hasn't won. If we get to a point where everybody that enters has already won before, you get a chance to win again. The prizes are starting to get, we're starting to get some donations of prizes. Uh, this week we got some books donated, and we have um, a copy of Jack Hare's The Emperor Wears No Clothes um, that's signed by Jack Hare before he died. Um, so that's going to be the prize for today. And uh, I think I have it to show somewhere, but um, so anyways, we have until, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes before the end of the show, as it is right now, Albert Thomas is in the lead by one vote, and Chuck Miller is uh, second with one vote less, and uh, Jessica Lux is up behind that, so um, all you got to do is go on to that Human Solution Group page and cast your vote, and probably 10, 10 minutes before the show is over, we're going to go ahead and uh, announce the winner. And again, this is a signed copy of The Emperor Wears No Clothes. I think it's the coloring book. I don't think it's the original book. Um, but anyways, it's a signed copy, and it's a great prize. Um, oh, here it is right here. Yes. And, yeah, it's the official coloring book. So, that being said, <coughs> excuse me, I don't have a cough button, but if somebody wants to spring for one, I will use it. Um, we're going to go ahead and bring up Tom Corby now, uh, he, since he's got some good news to report. So, let's go ahead and see what's going on in Tom Corbyville. Tom, welcome to the show. You're going to get an early, <coughs> an early update today. Oh, okay. Thank you, Joe, and Mary, and Coffee Party Radio please, Show. Um, um, please hold the yeah. phone up close to your mouth and speak loudly if you can. <clears throat> Last there couple of times it's been hard, kind of hard to hear. There I was waving my phone around again. <laughs> uh, anyway, so <clears throat> we talk about Butte County in Northern California. <clears throat> We continue to set precedents. New defendants have been talking about how weak their cases are. <clears throat> and uh, all of them, I've given two to one odd that their case will be dismissed. If, like we always talk, uh, all defendants take them on to trial, uh, they could never do it. Uh, this is what we've been talking about Frank Canan. Uh, Joe's met Frank with Bob Jared. Uh, he had this uh, GUI uh, misdemeanor PS charge. Took him on. Uh, he had his case dismissed today. 
<laughs> he just all right. Really all right. So he has. Uh, he's so grateful for the application. That's such a huge word. Uh, also, we always talk about how important discovery is. Uh, and then he, when I met him uh, with Bob Jarrett, he had most of the discovery already, and <clears throat> must insist that your PD or your attorney uh, get all discovery. Otherwise, uh, how can you win your case if you don't know exactly what you're up against? Bill Frank's on the road. He's going to try to come in and talk and <clears throat> share. What he did is, Joe, uh, I'm kind of a little out of breath. Uh, it is harvest time, and we are really busy. Uh, I've got like 10, 10 guys out here <laughs> helping me out here. With, and, so, uh, and Toby Williams and all his crew are here. And I t- when I talk about Toby again, uh, when we got busted, uh, yeah, I got out of jail. He came for us, had that big white pad. Uh, big words, discovery. So, uh, don't forget to breathe. Uh, so, uh, we have on the calendar when Joe talks about uh, Facebook's okay too. But if if we can, uh, it's so simple now that the calendar. If you can post to the Human Solution International dot dot org calendar, then. We can help muster uh, court support, uh, especially always local court support. And Joe said even even sometimes just a handful of people make all the difference in the world to the defendant. Uh, so I see that uh, out of breath, we worked hard today. Uh, uh, coming up this, this Friday, uh, again, I've been talking about Ray Sharp. Uh, uh, he uh, got his uh, motion uh, for filing for new counsel this Friday. Uh, that's 10.30 a.m., and that's actually in Chico, California, as a civil. That's 1775 Conquer Street in Chico. Uh, local court support uh, is always requested and uh, raised. So thankful also for the application and support. Uh, with the Human Solution International. Therefore, uh, now that Frank Canan had his case dismissed today, uh, he's on the calendar, Joe. Maybe you could, uh, I don't know how to take it off, uh, coming up here uh, this Monday, uh, 1.30. Well, maybe you can get that off the calendar. I know we can't do that. Well, uh, Uh, talk to Becca. She's managing the calendar right now. But I, I will oh, talk good. to her and uh, make sure that we get that handled. Right. And then uh, I have a new case. One of our friends, uh, a longtime good friend, uh, just use the first name Roel for now. Uh, he uh, he uh, was coming out of uh, Grass Valley, which is Nevada County. We're in Butte County and uh, got pulled over. Uh, had six six plants. I uh, had twelve plants, and there were two of two of them. Uh, both had their scripts. Uh, the highway troll. Uh, no, uh, the, the police. The, yeah, you see, Roel's right here today. Uh, 
He's thankful also for the advocacy and uh, uh, some just some legal direction and the right way to uh, take him on. Never never make any kind of plea deals. Just uh, out of breath. Uh, so uh, cut to the chase. Uh, they he, uh, actually uh, cuffed you, cuffed him, put him in the back seat. They're in the back seat, and it was. Uh, I think that once they realized. That uh, and these plants were just small plants, too, maybe pound plants. They realized that uh, that they were overstepping their bounds. They actually let them go. They charged them to go with a uh, uh, not an infraction, actually. It's just just uh, it's a misdemeanor traffic fine, five hundred dollars. Is that right, Well, well oh, go ahead. It's a, it's a misdemeanor uh, transportation. Ah, uh, oh, that's right. Misdemeanor transportation, of course, uh, under AUMA, we know that transportation is not covered. But the way I understand it, AUMA, Chris Conrad said, doesn't even go into effect till the November of this year. So we're already working this case uh, because it's Nevada County. Uh, 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 by the way, uh, 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 Stefana Firmino, our, our, one of our top attorneys here, View County, the one Alex Lyons case, uh, 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 actually took on Frank Canan's case here about a week ago, and we can thank uh, Stefana once again for having this case dismissed. Uh, <clears throat> now, have you heard? Um, I just talked to somebody who's up your way, and have you heard about? Um, the highway patrol and sheriffs and even fish and game really um, stepping up their patrols right now uh, and, and pulling over, you know, uh, U-Haul trucks and, and what they would consider to be suspicious vehicles. Well, and, and here, here's one of the things we always do. We, we, uh, we come with probable cause, and so what happened? What they what the what the police said is that they pulled him over because his his one of his back lights was flickering or something with the brake. So they're all done. They said, "Oh, your light just seems to be okay." So uh, just another real weak case. I'm giving her well uh, two to one odds, like I gave Frank and all of them that this case is going away, and he's going to take them on. He's actually hired, if you remember. Uh, Jennifer uh, Walters uh, up in Nevada City there in uh, uh, Grass Valley. She's a good attorney, so uh, Roel's coming strong, going to take them on. And uh, we always say if you take them on to trial, they just can't do that. Uh, uh, this, I'm just out of breath. All right. Uh, <laughs> you bring me in early, Joe. Okay. I know, no, I, I know. Don't. I pulled a foot on you, but I, I since you got on the line, I got three callers that want to talk. So um, I, I just, I wanted to make sure you had plenty of time. Um, I've got now George Martirano, um is on the line, and he's going to be doing like a, a, a little tease. We're going to do an in-depth interview with George um, in a couple of weeks. We got Bobby Rodrigo, um, who's calling from the front lines of the hurricane uh, disaster relief. And we got Pete Yapel from uh, New York now, and he's going to be helping us uh, build a chapter up there, it looks like. And, uh, um, you know, it's it's 
things are building right now. So, Tom, I'm going to let you go. If you decide you got something that you want to say at the end of the show, uh, just just pop back in and, and, and let us know. Well, I just might do that, Joe. I want to thank you. Now, listen, because we're winding down all the, all the, all the growers and farmers cultivating now. We're getting ready to have a harvest fest. Probably uh, middle to end of November, and we're going to try to. We're already working on getting you up here, and uh, your room's open upstairs up there. Yeah, All right, Joe. good. All right, Thanks, I look Joe. forward to it. All right, don't forget to breathe. All right. Okay. Did I hit this earlier? No. Okay, we're reconnected here. All right. Sorry about that, folks. I am uh, not going to insult the uh, uh, the people that have brain damage by referring to myself as one of them. Um, I'm going to bring up George real quick. And, Bobby, hopefully you can stay on the line. And then, Pete, I know you can stay on the line. Uh, George, welcome to the show. I see you've been popping in hey, and out. Uh, trying to. How are hey, you doing Joe, today? Hi. All right, good buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to hear your voice. Um, oh, we just lost you. Crap. Okay, well, I'm not going to hang up this time. Um, hopefully, we can get him to do the FaceTime thing again. Here we go. Let's just see how this goes real quick. All right, I'm going to bring Bobby up while we're figuring this out. And we cannot have these pregnant pauses. Bobby, you're live on the air. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, well, you know, um, aside from just a little bit of uh, technical glitches, um, everything's going good over here. Well, that's good. I, I uh, You know, I, I've been finding it rather interesting, and it would have been nice if it would happen in some, some other areas. It maybe would have saved some time, but it seems like, there's a number of politicians in this area down here that now have me on speed dial. I'm not exactly sure how to take that. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, what, um, what seems to happen is, is as you become capable, um, you become important, um, not just to the people that you're helping, but these elected officials come to realize that there's something real there that they might have to answer to. Hmm. Imagine that. So imagine that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it's interesting because, you know, I, you know, I've been sitting here, just, I mean, everybody knows who we are. You know, listens to our shows and what we're about and and how we try to, you know, spread spread the good word and work with great organizations and and help organizations and have organizations help us and all that stuff. We all know that's going on. But what's interesting is, in this in this circumstance, I mean, number one, the fact that, you know, I'm here with We Do Better is incidental because We Do Better is a not a after relief organization. It's an organization that uh, wants to highlight the benefit, the public benefits of nonprofits, 
and how they deliver public benefit services better than the government does, among other things. And and here I am, you know, I go, I you know, the COO of We Do Better is me, and I go to this disaster relief stuff, and and I'm living our model, which is one of the things that gets me through the day in some of this crap. But what has happened is as a lot of us have done this for a long time, and then we keep finding each other, and our world is changing in the sense of connections with the Internet and stuff like that, and it's becoming easier to find each other, and we're running into the same problems over and over and over and over and over again. Like one of, <laughs> one of our conversations is about Haiti, you know, like a lot of the comparisons of what's going on with Puerto Rico and the, and the islands, particularly Puerto Rico, is, is the comparison with Haiti. Um, this situation here is even more unique in that, you know, they, they're taking advantage of the fact, I, mean, I guess that's the way to put it, taking advantage. Well, the problems are being amplified by the fact that I can't just get in a car and drive to Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands. I have to use, I have to use the water. So they have, their approach to Puerto Rico has been to lock us down. You know, we have, we have politicians that are saying things are good, and we have politicians that are saying things are bad. And, and then, of course, all the rest of us are just trying to get the aid to the people. But, you know, what is interesting is even if, you know, if you stay out of the politics, which I do in the circumstances, I'll work with anybody and as long as we get any aid. But you have government, in, I mean, literally creating a bureaucratic mess to get aid to essentially the same thing as St. Louis, except it has an ocean around it. And, and you know, and I've been trying to describe the situation and eliminating the United States and Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico is the United States. just like St. Louis is just like Texas is just like New York is, or just like Florida is where I am. So I've been trying It's It's just like with the Hawaii thing, you know, it's the mainland and then it's the Island. And, and that needs to happen because what's going on in Puerto Rico is, is really, really bad from the standpoint of bureaucratic. So I want you to know everybody, this is, this is gospel. I mean, I'll, I'll post the letter on or the email on Facebook. I don't care, whatever, because of course we all believe what's on the internet. And I got a, I got an email from Senator Bill Nelson's office, his chief of staff, Michelle McGovern. And it was in response to a phone call that I made and, and, and we talked for a long time and it was about the interference that FEMA was doing in one of the airports. And um, so FEMA has a, has a, a process for people to get humanitarian aid to Puerto Rico. And I want you to think about that just for a minute, just, just the fact that there is a process to get humanitarian aid anywhere, for that matter, but a process to get humanitarian aid to Puerto Rico. Now, we all ship stuff. We all use FedEx. You all use UPS. Some people know a little bit more about it. They want to ship a crate or a car or a car or something, or they use ships. You know, there, there are procedures that have to be done. We all know that. But FEMA has this policy of requirements that has to be done. And so this is what you must do in order to get humanitarian aid to Puerto Rico. And it's a list of five things. And the first thing on the list, numero uno, somebody must have been just like lost when they did this. The numero uno, the reason that you have, the reason that you're getting humanitarian aid to Puerto Rico that the thing that they want to know is the purpose of the aid. The purpose. <laughs> oh, my in God. In writing. 
From FEMA to a United States senator. Wow. I, I don't know where to go with that. Didn't yeah. know where I, I, I got this email a week ago Saturday. So I have been I have been fermenting this thing since then. <laughs> and I have been I send it to people, I talk about it, you know, Eleanor Goldfield, we you know we had a nice little chat about it, you know, she I, I was running around, she says, Cat, can I interview you? Sure, whatever. Come on, let's go, let's talk about it. And we had we had a good chuck and I sent it to her. I said, check it out. So this is what, and this is not what FEMA's telling me. This is what FEMA's telling the United States Senator who asked. So think about that guy. I, I, I have an aunt in Puerto Rico. I have an uncle. I have a friend. I have a, a cat. Whatever. I yeah, go to Puerto Rico. I got a million, I got a million, pound, a million pounds of aid. I want to go take it right. to my relative friend, my animal, knock on the door and hand it to him. I can't do that unless I tell FEMA what the purpose of my aid is. This wow. is your government at work, everybody. This is your government at work. What do you think it's for? Sheesh. I don't Who fucking puts that in, on paper? Who thinks that way? I mean, let's think about that. Think about the absurdity of that statement. So, well, you know, I actually this agree. Is I whole, actually, uh, I, go big government, you know, you just got to love it. No, right? yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And mind you, now, and we can get into the, oh, you know, Trump's this and all Obama's that and, and Slick Willie's this and, you know, and all that stuff. But, hey, guys, no, this, this is, is a policy that would – all of them have had this policy. Right. It's probably been the you same know, for 30 years. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, well, obviously Puerto Rico hasn't had an event like it had this time. But, yes, exactly. You know, is when we got – Bureaucracy of this, which is our, it, it's it's a significant problem. It, it's a problem in the in the Bureau of Prisons. It's a problem with FEMA. It's a problem with anything that actually helps people, which is what the proponents of big government say it's all about: is helping the people that need it. Right? We got to help yep. the poor people. Got to help the people that need it. The government is the only one that can do that correctly. Well, this is how they do it. And I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of correctly in this. Well, number, numbers three and four I agree with. Not, not well, I shouldn't say I agree with. I, I say that it's normal shipping stuff. Because, you know, when you ship stuff, you know, a guy shipped 100,000 pounds yesterday. On, on That's a, seven, a lot of pounds. It's a lot of pounds. Seven, seven, on a six, 767. 10, ten, 10 minutes to 10. I'm on my way to an open forum panel with Governor Scott. You know, because obviously I'm, I must be an expert because, you know, I've been doing this every day of my life. It's moronic that I'm even sure. involved in that. If you think about this in the big picture, I don't do this for a living. It's moronic that I'm going to be brought to this thing, in my opinion. Now, it's not moronic that I'm going to I mean, I'm certainly going to say something that is worth saying, but there's a million other people that do this from every single day that know more about this than I do. And I'm invited to this open forum. I'm having my 15 minutes and all the other crap. And on my way down there, I get a call. We got an empty plane that needs 100,000 pounds of stuff. Do you want to load it? You're damn right I do. Turn around and, and, and go. The plane is the plane that was bought by to do this with by Carmelo Anthony, the NBA basketball player, as it turns out. He tweets on the thing last night that it was Feed the Children that did it. Well, Feed the Children didn't show up, and that's why I was putting stuff on this plane. We have to correct oh, that, gee. Carmelo. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Don't you love so, that? 
I know. Just Carmelo. He doesn't know. He's got handlers. He doesn't know. They're they're telling. Let's do this, Carmelo, and you got a tax write off. And I'm not saying Carmelo isn't doing the right thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't know the man. I think he, you know he might be. He might. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that he doesn't know that feed the children didn't show up. All he knows is that his flight didn't take off at ten o'clock because the stuff wasn't there. And and here I come right. with truck, 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 and pull it up. But I'm saying that because when I, getting back to what we're saying about FEMA, you know, they have you have shipping things they got to do. You know, we pull the truck up to the back of the thing, and it takes the pallets off and puts it on a freight scale, weighs it, mar- tags it, sends it to the plane. Happens all the time. Bingo. So and, and so what happens on the other end is the plane lands. Somebody goes to the airport, picks up what their stuff is. Well, that's not what happens in Puerto Rico during a humanitarian aid crisis. Because let me tell you what number five says. Number five. Step on down, everybody, to number five, and it says, hey. Just thought I mentioned that in order for you to get aid, you also have to have contact and the permission and working with a local municipality. Isn't that nice? Let's put another layer in it. How about that? Yeah. So if you don't have, if you're just a, a, a charitable organization that received a bunch of donations and has the means to bring these donations to the people that need it. If you're not specifically intimately connected with somebody that's making things happen over there, you can't just show up and say, "Hey, I have a hundred thousand pounds of food, and what can I do?" You don't get that. You Thank don't you. get that option. You don't get that wow. option according to what FEMA says. Now I had a conversation. Wow. You'll love that. You'll yeah. You think? So <laughs> this like right. I, I'm living in this. I'm living in this space, everybody. I'm living in this space. So I just yesterday morning. Is it yesterday morning? Yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I get put Pastor Todd. I'll call him Pastor Todd. He's on the ground in Puerto Rico. He's a pastor that has is part of a coalition of 200, 400 churches, whatever it is. Boots on the ground. Get him aid. He can get it out to the community. I, I, I'll, I'll give, I'll give my stuff to FEMA to take it out to the community. So, yeah, I'm gonna help everybody. So him and I talk a lot. We interact a lot. Trying to make sure that he could. I've already sent him some stuff, small load. I haven't been able to get a big, big load for him yet. But we talked to him, and and he put me in touch back to back with two different people in the government. So the first day, two days ago, he puts me in touch with the gentleman uh, who is in charge of the faith-based nonprofit division of the government. This is the government of Puerto Rico. So he wants. So I, I so I sent. So he says, send me your stuff so we can have the nonprofits on. We can do point to point. We got nonprofits on one side. We got nonprofits on the other side. Okay, great. But this is the important part. He tells me that he did a test shipment. That's his words, not mine. Test shipment to, through the port of San Juan, you know, the port that's in the country or the country or in the Commonwealth. I'm sorry, in the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, the one that he is in the government of. He did a test to see if it would get through from FEMA, and he got he got two two uh, deliveries through. Now just think about that. So how the hell am I supposed to get it through? <laughs> so then, so then, so okay. So then let's go to let's go to the next page. So yesterday, I have a call. I have a call with um, the the Undersecretary of State for Foreign Affairs for the Puerto Rican government. Okay. Now, the conversation starts. Kind of like this. Hey, hey, well, hey I, Bobby, can I can uh, I can I keep you on the line for a second? I got George Martirano who is been God. flickering in and God. out of here, but he, I want to bring him on. I'm going to keep you live 
Well, well, George is on. George, you are uh, live again. I, I don't know. You're having a little bit of uh, of phone issues, but um, hopefully you'll be able to stick on for a couple of minutes. I've got Bobby Rodrigo is also live on the air, and he's been uh, doing a bunch of humanitarian work for the uh, hurricane uh, efforts in Houston and yeah. Florida, I, now in Puerto Rico. Can you hi, hear me hi, okay? Bob. Yeah, hi, Bob. Hi, Joe. Thank you all. Uh, what are you doing out there, Bob? But uh, you know what I haven't heard at all from anyone is the 29 territorial prisons in Puerto Rico, close to 8,000 prisoners. Not a word. Not a word. I can give you an update on that. I can give you an update on that. That they, 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 at least the one that's up by Aguadilla, they, they initially. Okay, so let me think about this for a second because I because we did sit rep all the way through there, and initially they were. Everything was okay initially from the standpoint of generators. Remember, they have to have generators, and obviously that's a security right, situation. Right, right. right, right. But they have they have had food and water brought to them. But of course, like, and that one, I, I can't tell you about all of them as I don't know enough about that. Um, and I haven't gotten our well, Allison Thompson, who's our lead, and and um, and then Harp, which is the Humanitarian Aid and Relief uh, Project. They were our leads out there, and I know that they have. And then we talked to the mayors and stuff like that. But I know that when the power went down. Uh, and then, and then they had a there was a collapse. They, part of the, the the we just had a just so you know everybody we just had a mudslide three days ago. I think three days ago on on Highway 110 uh, at, my, at at a kilometer mark of 5.9 uh, by Los Marias. Uh, you know, so we're still dealing with that because they're having literally you know they're having their afternoon monsoons every day. But of course, nothing stable. But anyway, back to the prison thing. So part of it fell apart. And, you know, obviously, you know, they're coming out of strong, but they, but there hasn't been any trouble reported. Matter of fact, any, any uh, most trouble that's been reported is bullshit. People are desperate, but that's not what's happening. Uh, just so you know. So go ahead, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll mute my well, mic for a second. Just, yeah, I, I've been through that. I've been through situations like that where you're just giving bottle water, non-perishables, and saying, you know, uh, good luck. I've been through that as a prisoner, so I know. Uh, and I can uh, in the in the New Orleans uh, uh, Paris County Jail there left to die. So I I, I worked with the uh, prison staff uh, as a prisoner with that. So I was just wondering because on the news I haven't heard anything anything about what uh, what relief. Now you know again you know I always say this in a lot of my films you know uh, prison is meant for some people but not for all. So we we know that, but they're still human beings. So I was wondering. I'm happy to hear from you that there's something. Something was uh, done for them. Um, you, you know, George, when uh, the hurricane was going through Texas and then going through Florida, um, we were getting some updates from people that uh, were in contact with some of the prisoners, and um, in some cases it was really bad, and in other cases. People were getting moved, or, or you know, the prison was in a in a place where it, it wasn't directly affected so bad. But we've been trying to maintain our connection. Um, you know, when a natural disaster happens, people don't think about it. Right now, Northern California is burning, and um, you know, there's a number of prisons up in Northern California. And if a fire comes ripping through a place like that, uh, you know, what do you do? And I don't well, think they have you know, a good 
Well, in reality, you know, the American, the free, the free American citizen, citizen comes first, and the prisoner becomes last. And uh, you know, that's 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 the case. Like I said, I lived through it. I understand it, but uh, I'm always concerned about it. And um, you know, I'm just happy there's people like us who are concerned about it because sometimes the proper inquiry, the proper proper level, you know, can get assistance into these prisons. So. No, it's absolutely true. Earlier in the show, Craig Cecil was calling from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's serving a life term. And we've been working with him just as we were working with you when you were locked up in hopes of getting him out. But um, they're shutting the food down up there. They're not, they're not giving uh, the inmates proper rations. They cut out fruits and vegetables. Um, and I, we're going to be putting a press release out probably tomorrow um, with a call to action um, about this, because Craig's a yeah. uh, yeah, independent this is- diabetic, and if you don't get uh, the right amount of food in the right way, it, it can be fatal. Yeah, I know. I know. With this administration, uh, I haven't heard anything about prison reform, anything at all. It's just you know we're we're living in times that I believe that uh, it's going to get more much more difficult. I do a lot of. I do a lot of one-on-one advocate work for guys who are trying to come home, and I give them the best advice they can. But, you know, it's a step-by-step situation, especially with guys with life sentences. And a step-by-step situation could take 30 years of your life, like mine, almost 33. So, uh, you know, all, all we well, can George, do is... Uh, real quick, I, I have a, a fairly broad audience, um, and that's growing. And not everybody, hopefully, we get new callers every week. And not everybody knows um, about your story. You know, a couple of years back, uh, our prison outreach was, was really strong, and we were really in, in, connect, in contact with a lot of, uh, of inmates. And you were somebody who became, you know, personal friends with a number of, with myself and my family and a number of uh, of our people that were, you know, doing outreach, um, and you found your way free out of a life sentence. But I just, if you could give a brief introduction, and then you and I are going to do an in-depth interview in a few weeks, and we're going to be able to take on, you know, um, a lot of more complicated conversation and, and dig into a lot of deeper subjects. But I just really wanted to be able to introduce you as a guest and introduce you to the to the audience and welcome you. Um, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, and, um, you know, it's been such a treat to watch you unfold as you've been free now for a little more than a year. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Well, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Bob there with Joe. I'm George Toronto. I was the longest nonviolent first offender ever to serve, serve time in America for cannabis, uh, uh, never even had a parking ticket. Uh, my basic guidelines at the time was 48 to 52 months. And uh, when I got sentenced, I did five years in solitary and then went on to languish in many uh, federal institutions, the worst across America. But uh, I reached out through uh, positive stuff. You know, you know I, I took the hate out of myself and understand that uh, the only way to get out is through intelligence and help through community connections. And one of the main helps was Joe and his organization, the Human Solutions. They did a great job for me, and uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. So uh, 
and I look forward to doing more on the show and uh, look forward to what we have to have. Keep the voices going to help others. We must do that. That's that's important, Joe. Fantastic. All right, George. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, taking time to call in, and um, I'm looking forward in the next. I'll, I'll get confirmation on that date. All right. Um, in the next, I'll see you guys soon. I'll see you guys soon. Be safe with all the fires out there. Be safe. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. All right. Thanks, George. Again, George Martirano, he's calling from um, Pennsylvania. Um, and, you know, George is uh, an incredible individual. George is somebody who, um, if you get from even just the tone of his conversation, he's always been a very positive person. And when he was locked up, and he'd been locked up for, you know, almost 30 years when I met him, um, we started corresponding through Coralinks and writing letters and, and then, you know, phone calls. And uh, he, he was a prolific writer. He would write these little, uh, well, he's written books, but he's also written a lot of short stories and poems and all sorts of things. Um, and there was always a, a, an elegance and an eloquence to his, to his words. Um, he always had dignity, and like he said, he got the hate out of him. He always focused his energy on positive things. And, you know, when you listen to Craig Cecil talk, um, same thing. You know, there's a, there's a something special about a person who doesn't get beaten by a, a, a horrific, heinous situation like being locked up for a nonviolent action. Even if you did it and even if you broke the law, it doesn't matter. All right, Bobby, I'll let you uh, finish up your thought. And then um, I've got Mike Mailman from Manitoba, Canada, who has some good news to share with us. I want to get him um, before time ticks away. I know it's expensive for him sitting on the line. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and, and what he was talking about was good stuff. Uh, I don't even know where I left that thought because I've been sitting here tweeting with uh, a bunch of, with Bethany Frankel, the, the reality star. I'm telling you, the people I, I was on a Today Show the other day, allegedly. I have no clue if I, if they did my part or not. But, you know, oh, so back to, oh, the politicians. Yes, yeah, so today, oh, so after, so that's where I left off. With, with the Undersecretary of State for Foreign Affairs, and listen to that, Undersecretary of State of Foreign Affairs, I'm talking to this person. And he starts the conversation off and he says, uh, well, you know, I, I need to understand, or, I, I, or, Actually, so I've talked to them, and I, and I know that there's a whole bunch of procedures, so I want to make sure that we implement those procedures properly so we, do, so we know what we're doing. And I'm like, you are the government, right? I said, this is your, your state, right, or commonwealth. I said, so starting the conversation right there, sir, concerns me, basically. I said, I'm telling you that, that there is too much bureaucracy between uh, me being able to bring aid to anybody I want, and, you know, and you mentioned earlier about nonprofits. I, it shouldn't even be that. It should just be about the private citizen being able to do this. You know, you shouldn't have to even be a, a nonprofit. But, but doing it as a nonprofit is what usually happens. And, you know, uh, they, they love to, they love to um, uh, you know, try and give you, you know, the Red Cross and United Way. Well, I'm sorry, folks. Uh, I was I, I've been out since Harvey, as everybody knows, and and the Red Cross is not happening. Okay, they 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 Red Cross International, dynamite. Red Cross America, kiss my ass. I got nothing for you. 
I wouldn't care if 100,000 people called this show right now and said, no, I had a good experience with Red Cross. I can, I can bring out a million, it'll say, and that's just you guys. They, you know, so it shouldn't take anything like that to get stuff to your citizens, to your fellow citizens, to your fellow humans. Forget citizens. Cause, but this is worse because it's in our borders. Like I said, it's basically St. Louis. You know, uh, or Chicago, or or Phoenix, or or Amarillo, Texas, whatever city you want to come up with. That's where Puerto Rico is. It's part of our country, and I shouldn't have to do any of this to do that. So I'm talking to this guy, and he's telling me about this, and he's telling me how well they do it this way, and I'm like, why? So he tells me to send him a letter to a very blunt, to be very as blunt as you want, and I'm going to run up the flagpole. Well. I go to send him a letter and I get a you know I get I get a nine one one call that I need to put a hundred thousand pounds on the plane so I write the letter go to the political thing send aid so what did I do I sent aid screw all the politicians and go but then today at what eleven o'clock this morning I get a call from four state legislators sitting in a room with the international longshoremen of of Florida and they want me to tell them what the problems are, and what my suggestions are to fix it. Now, think about that. Who the hell am I, number one? Number two, they are, I mean, listen, I, I obviously told them what I said. I, you know, I, I knew what I was talking about, but what the hell's that got to do with it? I don't do this for a living, and yet they're calling me because, uh, you know, I, I guess the optics are good because I'm getting a little press. I'm having my five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the hell it is. And, and, you know, NBC comes to see me, and I show them this wonderful solar generator, you know, that if it was in Puerto Rico right now, would be powering 20,000 homes right now. 20,000. The solar generator that I'm looking at, but I'm looking at the solar generator right now because I can't get this thing to Puerto Rico without having FEMA wanting to touch it. Wow. Listen to this. The technical team that installs this is on the ground waiting for it right now. I have that, and I have 17 pallets of solar panels right in front of me. Wow. Wow. Uh. And that's that's what NBC was interviewing me about on Sunday. It's now Wednesday. I still have the generator. Wow. Just saying. So so people... We got a lot of work to do, and, and it is, it's, it's, you know, and, and thankfully they're not thinking about cannabis right now. But I just, it, <sighs> anyway, that's what I, that's well, Bobby, my report for the evening. Uh, one one huh? thing I really always try to impart: what can somebody do to be effective to help out in a real way? I mean, I know that you. you you had uh, passed around a video, and in that video, it had a place, a place to help. I made a donation to that. I didn't even get a response back. I'm hoping they got it and they're happy with it. But you know, the point is, is what can somebody really do? I mean, what if somebody wanted to come out there and help? Um, can they do it if if we've got some locals or somebody that just absolutely? Feels inspired? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you volunteering your time is fantastic. Um, uh, collecting supplies and getting them to me are fantastic. Sending money is fantastic. We do better dot org. Uh, we just put up a GoFundMe page so we can start playing for paying for planes ourselves. Because I'm I'm t- you know every, no matter like all the free planes that we got like Carmelo Anthony did, paid eighty four thousand dollars for his plane. You know so somebody's wow. donating something. You know so it's not right. like 
you know, somebody pulls up with a free plane. You know, we don't, we get we're getting a free plane, but certainly not free. Somebody's doing this. And we've been we've been sending stuff on planes all the time. So anything, you know, money, time, and all of it is equally valuable. I I, if you volunteer your time, that is just as important as if you give me a hundred thousand dollars. I'm serious about that. It, it is. I we think- need everything. I mean, I'm running a shipping operation here with millions of pounds of stuff. That has to be palletized and, and, and has to be uh, has to be uh, um, uh, manifest, and then it has to be put in trucks and shipped. I mean, it's a shipping operation. So you know, so you're, so yes, it, when I'm not being facetious when I say what I said, and, and same thing with you bringing supplies. That's the, every, all donations are welcome, and. Do what you can, when you can, how you can, spread the word. Make And then, of course, you can always pound your politicians, and you can start with the knuckleheads in Puerto Rico, and you can start with the knuckleheads in, in Washington and work your way down from there. I mean, that, that's Excellent. pretty much what we got going on. So. Well, Bobby, as always, I, I've, I've been stalking you for the last week to get you to, to come out and give us this update. So I'm, I'm glad you uh, – uh, didn't shy away from my incessant stalking, and I'm glad you gave us this update, and I'm especially glad you're out there doing what you're doing. And I just want to use this forum to hopefully inspire one more person to do one more thing, and that's what it's always been about. Excellent. You guys have a great night. Always great to stop by, Joe. All right, Bobby. Once again, folks, Bobby Rodrigo from We Do Better and the coffee party and so many other things. If I was to put his uh, um, resume up here, it would take the whole page. Um, Anyway, speaking of the coffee party, I want to thank the coffee party and the coffee party radio network for giving this show a place to be. And if you want to call in, if you're listening on the Facebook uh, live feed thing, um, and you want to call in, have something to say, you just got to pick up the phone and dial 646-929-2495, and you can speak with our amazing screener, Noncompliant Mary, who has amazing stories all by herself. All right, we got Mike Mailman coming up, and, uh, you know, I'm not even going to take any time introducing you. I'm going to just bring you up. Now, Mike, you're live on the air. I, I met Mike in person a um, couple of weeks back when I went and visited Manitoba, and um, I just, you know, to, to watch somebody with the warrior spirit. People that are listening to this show, please understand, every single person that decides they're going to fight their case is inherently a warrior. And I know people get hung up on the warrior nation and the warrior this and the warrior that, but the truth is, to stand up against a beast that has endless heads and endless weapons and endless money and endless resources and doesn't give a damn about you, and for us to stand up and say, whoa, hold on now, we've got this armor of the law that's supposed to protect us, if we happen to understand it enough to use it and know how to wield it and, 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 and you know deflect with it, well, Mike got hit with a case and... Uh, turned out not only did he have the warrior spirit he was willing to stand together um fortunately he had the support of our local uh friendly manitoba chapter but when it all came down to it um his case was in a remote place from where they are at and he walked into battle with 
nothing but him and his ribbon and knowing that there were folks standing behind us. Why don't you take it from there, Mike? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, it really was an interesting experience. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of heavy heart a- along the way, that's for sure. But it was great having people behind me. Uh, so essentially, what happened? Um, I went into court, and uh, you know, all along I had been I had been uh, asking the crown attorneys and and the the defense attorneys and, and anyone I could ask uh, what happened to the video that I that I recorded of the officers when they uh, arrested me, and everybody told me that it didn't exist and you know forget about it basically, <clears throat> and so halfway through the Halfway through the uh, voir dire, we we took a break. Uh, the the officer had already given his statements, and the crown and and um, and the defense had already asked all the questions. And my lawyer asked for a five minute recess to talk to me in the back room. And he said, "You know, Mike, do you, do you find anything we're missing here?" And I said, "Well." Other than the fact that the officer's lying on the stand and it, there's a camera in all <laughs> those boxes that we're talking about, they they, they put the camera. They, well, my my lawyer said, "What do you mean a ca- camera?" I guess he's the only person I haven't asked yet. So he asked the judge, and the judge decided we should play the video. Uh, <laughs> turns out the video shows a little bit different account of events than what the officer had just stated happened on the stand um imagine that in fact the uh, judge didn't really appreciate that too much and he found the arrest to be unlawful and we never even went any further than that the crown stayed the charges and the judge looked at the crown and said good choice and that was the end of my case just like that after three and a half years if you wouldn't have done this, <clears throat> your lawyer wouldn't have done this for you. What What do you think the outcome would have been had you not thought to do it or known to do it or been inclined to do it and you were to continue down the road without this video ever having a chance to be entered or, or seen? How do you think this thing would have played out? Well, you know, in my case, I actually had a lot I had a lot of different angles of defense, actually. Um, the cannabis that I had was, in fact, uh, reasonably for me to have it. Um, and and uh, the whole situation, uh, you know, without getting too much into it, uh, there were a lot of other reasons that, uh, that the judge should have thrown the case out as well. This was just the first, um, this was the first thing he was looking at, and he threw it out immediately. So... Um, while I do think that it, that that video was instrumental and it was really nice to finally be able to show that right off the bat that the the officer was lying and wrong right from the beginning, um, and not even get into all the rest of it was was uh, well, if nothing else, it saved me months and months more of uh, trouble and who knows how much more money and time and wasting of the Now were you offered a plea deal initially? Oh, they they offered me plea deals all the way along. They tried giving me different plea deals along the way. Um 
So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming to. Most people, and and I mean, when I say most people, I mean more than 90%. It's actually closer to 95, 97% of people will take that first plea deal that comes along because they don't have the heart to stand in and keep coming back to court. And they don't have the heart to take a day off of work or to take a day off of their life or to go through the, you know, the grief of going to court. It doesn't matter whether, even if it works in your favor, ultimately it's it's a lot of grief to get there. Um, and that's really kind of what I was getting at is the fact that you were, you know, righteously indignant. You You knew you didn't deserve to be in a situation that would render you a criminal, and you stood up and said, no, let's, let's at least go to battle over this. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, what I'm trying to bring to light is that when you do that, you have a chance to win. When you don't do that, you know, you don't even have a chance. Now, granted, most people, um, the odds are stacked against you, uh, uh, you know, a, a thousand to one by taking it to trial. It's just the way it is. It doesn't matter what country you're in. Um, it's never going to be fair, but you don't ever have a chance to win unless you try, and that's kind of what it all comes down to. I'm I'm just really uh, proud that you were willing to do that, and I'm, of course, elated that you uh, had the victory you did. I love to celebrate victories when we get them. Yeah, I'm quite happy to have a victory myself. Um, You know, it's uh, still defeating that that uh, they were able to drag me through the mud for quite some time and, and even more so to see that, that there were so many others that, that uh, this happened to at the same time. But, you know, little victories one at a time are going to eventually turn into a large victory where eventually nobody's going to go to jail for a plant anymore. Uh, that's when I'm going to Well, it's going to happen when we make it, when, we, when enough of us demand it long enough. And I'm just really uh, uh, grateful for the team up there and uh, – Manitoba and, 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 you know, the Great White North that you guys are standing with us. And, um, you know, I think the more arms lock together, the quicker it's going to get done. We can get back to doing good things for good folks and uh, growing an amazing plant. Absolutely, Joe. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. All right, folks, that was Mike Mailman from uh, Manitoba, Canada, and uh, just shared a great victory. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, Mike. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Take care, Joe. Okay, we got Pete Yaple on the line now, and uh, Pete and I just reconnected after we hadn't had a much conversation in a, in a few, um, and uh, Peter finds himself in New York, and looks like we're going to be working together a little bit more closely. I'm looking forward to this. Pete, welcome you to the and show. I How are you doing? Though. I'm doing pretty good today. Well, you're, you're no stranger good. to this show, and uh, you've got a show of your own that uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, to come on. Um, why don't you give us a little update? What's going on up there? Well, lots of stuff, actually. Um, you know, uh, my show will be back on in two weeks. I I won't take my time to you know, your time to promote mine other than just it's Can We Talk 420 Radio. Uh, it's We'll have a whole new forum. It'll still be a two-hour show, but we've broken things down a little bit differently in the, that, than the show used to be. Our, our show used to be very, uh, again, all all caller-driven, uh, and uh, I, I, 
it just seemed it just seemed to me that I just need to make some changes. And me and you lost touch because I did. I got very sick there for the last year. I ended up out in Oregon and treated and um uh, my travels brought me back here to New York where I'm originally from and um we're just here right now because our our one of our children's having a child so we'll be here at least till March uh before I decide where I'm going to go next. But um uh I got to say Joe that the the thing that I really want people to understand and and the and the the thing that people and I'm talking government, uh, just the lay person, people that are opposed, and people that are for cannabis, that I personally, and I don't think anyone that I've ever come across in my entire life, is geographically ill. To herd to a place that is legal in some senses of the word to, to, use, uh, to use cannabis, to grow cannabis, and to have cannabis as a daily part of our every day, which it should, in my opinion, be a part of every human being on this planet daily, um, cannabinoids in general. Um, and where do we reap them best then from the cannabis plant? But I'm not, I'm not, nor is anybody else geographically ill, nor should I have to be licensed like a dog, you know, to, to in order to treat. Whose business is it what I do in my home that, you know, if I'm not hurting anybody else, I guess is my way of looking at things. Um, and, and a lot of it comes down to when we do have states. Now, New York now is a medical marijuana uh, on, the, on the board is a medical marijuana state. Uh, but uh, being as blessed as I was, not that I was ill and was afforded uh, the opportunity to go out west and, and to learn even more than I had already absorbed um, – but to see, you know, to see uh, dispensaries and such the way they are out here, and then in comparison to where they are in the place that I am, it, it's, it's day and night, uh, completely day and night. You cannot buy a bud in New York. If you have a bud of marijuana, it is a, it is a crime, uh, you, you know, unless you have a government-approved, government-issued, because everything's state-run. There's no privatization. Uh, there, there's really no help. Um, and that's why only 3.65% uh, of the people of New York are treating legally with cannabis. Why? Because it's overpriced. It's an inferior product. It's, it, 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 it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, obviously not covered by insurance because it's federally, federally illegal. And these are a lot of the problems that people have to understand. If, it's, if, you, if 60 some odd percent of you voted, for this, and we only have a 3% turnout, the government's going to say, see, people really don't want this, or this really isn't effective, or this really isn't a, a, a good program, and what are we really doing? Um, and, and this is the thing they have to understand. Now, the only true way that any of us will ever be able to live the healthy life that we need, we need to live or should be entitled to live just as a human being is to repeal, completely repeal, prohibition and i'm not just talking coast to coast i'm talking around this blue circle that we revolve around on every day uh, to me it's it's ludicrous as we always say it's a victimless crime no one gets hurt so so what is truly the big deal so for those that have have the unfortunate uh circumstance or happenstance to be caught unfortunately with this plant and are now in jail and their 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 uh, lives are now a part of the system is completely unfair and we need to as citizens of this country to band together and do all we can to get every last one of them out of jail 
every human being on this planet the right to be able to grow, use, and, and take care of themselves. Listen, I was on 136 pharmaceutical pills a day, 136. It was eating meals of pharmaceuticals. I never, never, never would have got better. They were killing me. My blood pressure was 54 over 36 when I drove from Florida to Oregon. And I did it in four days, 15 hours behind the wheel of everything I could possibly do to be able to get there, to be able to treat. And because of it, I'm here again today. I'm here again breathing as, as well as I can. But the damage that's already been done is done. Well, you know, that's, that's, a, that's what this is all about. You know, people that are fighting for one little thing or another, whether it's the recreational, and I put big old quotes, air quotes on it, because whether you believe it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you understand it or not, the use of cannabis is medicinal. Even if it all it does is make you feel better, feeling better is medicinal. So Absolutely. the notion is really simple. I, it 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 drives me nuts. It makes me sometimes want to hit myself in the head with a hammer because I just can't understand why why we just don't get it enough to just end this. And like you said, this is a worldwide issue. Cannabis. Uh, could grow anywhere in the world, literally. And there's no reason why anyone in the world should be deprived of it. And in the places where it's been decriminalized, and I don't mean, you know, made legal, but I mean actually decriminalized where you can't and don't get locked up for it anymore. In those places, there's never been an adverse uh, effect to society. There has not yet one time been a... a an army of zombies that rose up and started eating people's brains. There's never been a call for chaos and anarchy. There's never been anything other than life goes on and a few more people are, are, are less sick. And even if that's the only thing that happened was a few more people were less sick, it would be worthwhile. And there's endless other positive attributes that happen. The cost to society of making people less sick is potentially infinite. I mean, imagine if we could do something that would cause people to be not as sick as they are. Uh, the burden on the health care system um, would be lessened and maybe the people that needed real health care could get it. It goes on and on and on. The point is this, and Pete, you get this, and I appreciate that you get this, and that's why I want to say it together out loud. What we need is a unified voice. And whether you decide to be a part of the human solution or whether you decide to, to, to join up with another organization, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we stand together unified. We lock arms together for this purpose, for the purpose of ending prohibition. There's no sense in prohibition. Exactly. There's, nothing There's no room. There's no room for ego. This is not it's something about exactly. ego. This is about putting your name on something and walking around and looking, oh, look at me. This isn't about that. This is about human beings. But the fact of the matter is, it's, the fact of the matter is, is this. And every point that you made can be answered in a very simple statement. A government that has healthy, uh, <laughs> clear-thinking uh, citizens is a hell of a lot harder to control than if you're fat, drug addicted, and held back. 
so you know, you know, I'm saying, and and that's it's a shame to say because believe me, I was one of those drug addicted people. I mean, they had me on so many opiates at a time it was ridiculous. I mean, I, they had me on medications that that were that right. It should be illegal. That were uh, that that would counteract against each other. That would put my life in jeopardy every day taking them. And I took them for 10 years at a time before finally a pharmacist said, why are you taking these two together? You should be dead. <laughs> you know, so, you, you know, and it, and it almost and, killed you. And, right. And Helen happened to join me, Joe. I just picked her up from work. So. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Helen. How's it going today? Welcome <laughs> to the show. How are you? <laughs> but, it's yeah. good to hear and, your voice. You know me. I am so happy and so excited to uh, – to work with you on any level, Joe. I always have been. We've always supported each other. We've always had the same vision. And the, and the point being is is that is that everybody has the same thing. I don't care if you're fighting for child epilepsy. I don't care if you're you're fighting for cancer because you got cancer. I don't care if you're fighting because you just like to smoke a joint. The end of the day, we all want and should have the same right, well, and what? that is to be able to grow and use the cannabis plant to our benefit. Well, and, yeah, and also once people have the education that is so readily out there for all of us, then maybe their perceptions on why their smoke changed and, and they'll start smoking it for the right reasons. Or I mean, ingesting. It's I mean, health. Right, health, right, period. Right. It's a prerequisite to be healthy. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you guys more, and I'm looking forward to having you come on as a regular, and I, I'm glad to join your show as well anytime. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to working with you folks. I've been sort of uh, when the UCCA got the wind sucked out of it a little bit, um, and you guys – you know, went traveling, I kind of uh, felt like, you know, we had a, a chance to do something great. Well, we still do, and I, I, I'm glad that we're reconnected, and I'm glad that you guys have the fire and energy that you do because that's what we need. We need to get the people up off their couches, up off their chairs, and pissed off just enough to do something because we've got some problems, right. and we have a real human solution here. We really do, and you guys are a part of it, and I'm I'm grateful to have you. And, Joe, I just want to make one more point real quick because I see a lot sure. of people doing this out there on Facebook and on all social media and this, that, and the other thing. People have to understand this. Now, I'm a, I'm a healthy man today, and I live in a state, and I told you I'm not a licensed dog, but you have to understand certain things, people. Everything you say, whether it's on the radio show, on Facebook, on anything, will be held against you if your ass gets in trouble. So you really have to be careful out there. I mean, I, I get a hundred dollars <clears throat> a day working at oil. I mean, I, I don't know. Look where you can get oil. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to tell you. Educate you yourself know? and make your own. Right, right, exactly. You know, I mean, this is this is the this is the point we have to we have to make to people that that. Until we win this fight, until you open your mouth, stand up with us, raise your hand, raise your voice, raise whatever it is, and do whatever it is you can. Listen, everybody has an hour of their day because I see you on Facebook. Make that time a little <laughs> bit more, a little, you know what I'm saying? Make it just a little bit more productive. You know, and I'm not saying Facebook is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. It's not, but it's not going to change the world. Facebook is not going to change the world. I'm sorry. And, and, and people have to understand that. The people behind it will, though, and you guys are absolutely right. And I'm, I'm very much looking forward to spending more time with you all. 
We are running out of time, okay. though. The show's just about done, and I got Tom Corby uh, called back in with a few last-minute words, and we got an announcement to uh, – uh, we got a winner on the, sh- on the uh, Solidarity Ribbon Contest. So, uh, Pete and Helen, always a pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you more, uh, more in-depth about all of this. Yeah. Peace and love, brother, and we'll talk with you soon. Take care. You bet. All right. We got Peter and Helen Yapel from currently from New York joining the show today. And, um, you know, what's happening, and I, and I think, you know, as much as I despise Facebook for so many reasons, this live stream seems to be connecting more people. And, hell, if it works, we'll use it. You know why? Because we're about being effective. That's all that matters. Whatever works. If throwing a paper airplane across the room worked, I'd have a stack of paper airplanes. If if putting a button and a and a piece of string on a on a, a soup can would work, I would be doing that. And so this is where we're at right now. All right, we got about three minutes left of the show. I'm going to go ahead and announce the winner. It looks like Albert Thomas is the winner from Hawaii, and I'm excited that that happened this time because uh, Albert's been really uh, kicking it into gear and. Um, Albert's getting a, a thing going on in Hawaii now, and um, just got a, an order of ribbons and uh, penetrated the courtroom and is bringing the human solution to the island. So um, it's an exciting thing. So, Albert, you win this coloring book here, which is signed by Jack Hare Grass, the Great Revolutionary American Standard System, the official guide for assessing the quality of Marijuana on a 1 to 10 scale for determining what you have and where you are at by Jack Hare and Al Emanuel. So anyways, it's got a whole lot of uh, uh, good information in sort of a, it's not a coloring book at all. It's just got a whole lot of good information in it, just like uh, the emperor wears no clothes. So anyways, Albert, that will be heading your way. All right, we got time for Tom Corby to wrap it up, and here we are, Tom Corby with the NorCal chapter. Now, Tom, I want you to know that we are changing the chapter situation, and um, I just got a contact with Michael Schulze from uh, uh, up in uh, Reading area, and he's ready to to help get things lit up up there again. But what we're going to do is we're going to only have two chapters in California. We're going to have the NorCal and the SoCal. So we're combining all the SoCal chapters into one, and we're going to combine all the NorCal chapters into one, and I'm going to basically, uh, you're going to be the primary contact for all the, all the folks in NorCal. I think the reason we're doing that, not I think, the reason we're doing that is to um, bring resources together rather than keep everybody spread apart and, and having one or two people. Now you'll have an alliance of leaders from all over Northern California, um, but, but you're going to be basically the, the, the liaison for all this. Uh, all right, Tom? Joe. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, really good idea. I think we've actually talked about that before. Michael Schultz, uh, he's awesome up there in Shasta County. We never really actually lost uh, the chapter completely, and we must put our rifts aside, come together in unity. Uh, I want to bring up <clears throat> Roel Cruz's case again. Uh, point being made, if you have a good attorney, uh, 
Jen Walters up uh, in Nevada City. That's the Grass Valley area. Uh, a good attorney right away start filing, and it's going to get he or she's going to get your all your discovery. Uh, again, your police report is your first discovery, and you can find out what's against you and start working your own case with your attorney 50-50. No one knows your case better than you. Uh, Roel, uh, I've known Roel, one of my best friends here, with Toby Williams and the crew here uh, for many years with our collective. Uh, Roel Cruz will stand his ground. He will no, take no deals. Our mindset always is 995 dismissal, uh, challenge the warrant on probable cause. Uh, he goes back, he goes to his first hearing. Uh, I believe it's probably, I'm going to Google it in, and, and uh, that's probably Grass Valley, Nevada City, uh, on November 6th at 9 a.m. Talk about a good attorney, first of all. She's going to make the motion. Dismiss motions, motions of probable cause, caution, traverse the warrant. Uh, number two, Rowell doesn't have to be there. Uh, we really don't have to have court support. I'm not even sure it's worth putting on the calendar, uh, uh, but we can, Joe. Uh, so uh, Rowell's thanking uh, the Human Solution uh, for their support. Also want to thank. Uh, nice to hear George Monterano, uh on on and hearing uh, talking again. I can't imagine uh, what he went through. Did 26 years in prison, didn't he, Joe? Uh, just 33. I think. Oh he was God. the longest incarcerated uh, individual for pot at the time he was released. Well, that just goes to show you that if you do stand your ground, you can survive in there. And uh, uh, like now, Craig Cecil, time to get Craig Cecil out. Uh, what's this going on? 17 years. Uh, another BS case. Uh, more of a victim of circumstances. Uh, when we talk about their... Uh, <clears throat> I've seen the sheriffs and the game wardens. Uh, it's pretty sad that our warrants don't even need a warrant. Uh, a wardens, game wardens, don't need uh, a warrant. What they're doing every year up at Berry Creek, when you go across the expansion bridge, you're on federal land. Uh, it seems they wait all the medicines cured, ready to go, and like you said, they're pulling over U-Hauls, trailers, uh, uh, and actually on that federal land up there, even if you smoke a joint on that federal land, you can go to prison. It's a sad state of affairs up there in Berry Creek with all our friends. I also want to bring up uh, Eddie Lepp, Heidi Grossman, Heidi Lepp now. Uh, actually, I probably heard you probably heard uh, she uh, went to jail. Uh, actually, that's in Marysville where Eric Salento, uh there in Yuba County. Uh, and 
I believe, yeah, she's out now and uh, working her case. And that's when we come with a sacrament in the church, uh, it's a tough road to hold. Even Tully, Jodea Foster, all our top attorneys say uh, it's a tough road to hold. Uh, maybe in Eric Pierce's case, he's up against just misdemeanor mushrooms. Uh, we can use the sacrament, but it's best to have your doctor's recommendation and still use your collective. Uh, that seems to uh, get it done in those courtrooms. Uh, I want to thank everybody uh, on the front lines today coming together to uh, be the solution to end prohibition. No one should be going to jail for our sacred plan. I've been fighting for 50 years to have a right, and I'm thankful that I do have a right right now to grow my medicine. Uh, so healthy, so good for folks to be out there and they're God enforcing. Okay, thanks, Joe. All those on the front lines, and come join us at the Human Solution International dot org and help you the solution. And Donna would say, don't forget to breathe. Well, thank you so much, Tom, and I do look forward to seeing you in person again. It's been a little while. I also want to thank everybody who uh, helped make the show possible today. I want to thank Mary, our non-compliant screener, who I just love to death, and everybody else that participated. Um, our main guest, Robert Plotshorn, co- contacted me uh, halfway through the show, said he had a personal emergency, wasn't able to make it, um, but we will have him on again shortly, and it just kind of lets you know that we've got a full show, even without a single full-time guest that came in. So uh, thank you, everybody, for being part of this, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were always...